0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. This is Bruce. I'm here with you for another episode of the show. My guests today are Brandon and Zane from Via 313 out of Austin, Texas. We're going to talk all about pizza, Detroit style pizza, and how to build and expand your team and how to find the right people that can help you expand your business. If you are in the pizzeria business and you are looking to grow, maybe you want to open a couple more locations, but maybe you don't know really what you need to do or you don't feel like you have the right team. Brandon and Zane share how they found the right people to surround themselves with to really give them the knowledge that they didn't have in order to expand their team. This is a great episode. I think you're going to enjoy this one and you might want to take some notes or if you have to... If you are working or you're driving, you're at the gym or you make a pizza, go over to smartpizzamarketing.com. We take all the notes for you over there and you can just link up with Brandon and Zane via Instagram or their website after the podcast is over. Also, don't forget to check out our mastermind group. If you're looking to grow your business and figure out what's working today when it comes to marketing and technology, our mastermind group is fantastic. Two monthly calls with me and other entrepreneurs. We also have a private Facebook group and you get access to to all of our challenges that we do every month and our behind the scenes interviews that we do with people from the podcast as well. We're doing a Google one, a Waze one. We've done menu design. All of that's available inside of our mastermind group, smartpizzamarketing.com forward slash mastermind. Before we get into the podcast, I do have to say thank you to the people and companies that are supporting the show, Forza Forney being one of them. Who knows if we're going to have a pizza expo this year, but if we do, head over to the Forza Forney booth. You can check out their ovens, see what kind of pizza they're making over there, and if you can't make it to the show, just go to ForzaForney.com. Whether you're looking for a new oven or you're looking for an upgrade, or you're looking to get started in the business and you want to oven the best oven to make your business successful, to cook perfect pizza, forzaforney.com Tons of ovens, tons of equipment over there. And they're really nice, helpful people. If you have a question, reach out to them on Instagram, at forzaforney They'll be very happy to help you figure out what you need and how to make it happen. Again, that's forzaforney.com Hunger Rush is a fully integrated restaurant management system that lets the restaurant own the relationship with the customer it creates guest experience to drive repeat business makes customer data accessible to analyze and put into action and it creates operational efficiencies to increase profit margins all in one easy to use and highly configurable system check out how hunger rush can benefit your pizzeria by visiting smartpizzamarketing.com forward slash hunger rush you're going to need a bigger oven that's for sure We have quite a few people who use Hunger Rush, whether they listen to the podcast or are in our mastermind groups, and all of them love it. The one thing I can say from my experience is the ability to follow up with your customers once they order from you online is unlike any other point-of-sale system. And that's the most important thing, the relationship management system that it has that helps you with email marketing, text message marketing, and the ability to do all of that inside your point-of-sale system is amazing so again go check out hunger rush smartpizzamarketing.com forward slash hunger rush all right thank you to hunger rush and to forza 40 for supporting the podcast please do me a favor if you're enjoying the show go check out the sponsors of the show they really are the reason that this show continues to happen and we get amazing guests on to bring you every single week so go check out hunger rush go check out forza 40 very much appreciated on our end okay let's get into today's podcast with brandon and zane and via 313 all right welcome back to the podcast We got Brandon and Zane back on the podcast, joining me once again, fellas. Thank you so much. I appreciate you joining me once again on the podcast. Thanks for having us.
1: Yeah, Bruce. It's been uh, over five years.
0: Yes, I was. I was just looking at the uh, website when you guys were back on the podcast, and I was like, "Holy crap! It was five years ago." That seems like it seemed like I just talked to you guys. I remember the conversation, and I remember having you on the podcast but I didn't think it was five years ago. It goes by like that, apparently.
2: Yeah, I, I can't believe you have a hair and makeup crew now. I appreciate the... <laughs> they <laughs> the hooked you up? Service. Yeah, that's really nice, man. You stepped the game up.
0: Yeah, we got, we're a professional <laughs> outfit here now. But I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast once again. It's good to catch up with you guys. So give us who, maybe the people who... Actually, you know what? They're not going to be able to go back and listen to that episode because I'm going to delete it when it's over because it was, I was terrible. You guys were great. I was terrible on the show just starting out of the podcast here, but give us a brief update of like who you guys are, where you're from, what you're, what you're up to now, whoever wants to go first, you know, it doesn't matter. Brandon
1: nodded. That means it's my turn to talk. Uh, Yeah. I mean, we're, look, two brothers from, uh, Southeast Michigan grew up about, uh, 10 or 15 minutes South of Detroit proper. Uh. We, we, we moved forward with that in December of 2011, started with one pizza trailer. About a year later, we added a second pizza trailer. And then um, we started saving our money religiously to open what our dream was, which was a, to have a neighborhood restaurant serving that pizza, uh, kind of just a neighborhood uh, gathering spot. And uh, we opened our first restaurant probably a few months before we spoke in 2015. I think I yeah.
0: think it was in April 15. That's crazy. Back then too, like yeah. 2015, I'm thinking about our conversation and I'm thinking about how far Detroit style pizza has come in the last five years since we've last talked. Even in my area now, Boston, which doesn't have it does now. I'm not gonna I, I've been giving Boston a lot of shit for having a really bad pizza scene for a lot of years, but we've come on strong in the last couple of years. there's a lot of good places. Um, But Detroit-style pizza, there's a couple that have been opening up here. But five years ago, nobody knew around here what Detroit-style pizza was, and I'm sure that was what it was like in Austin as well. Now it's become more known and a a style that people are familiar with. But back then, I'm sure not a lot of people knew exactly what Detroit-style pizza was, if anyone.
2: Yeah, I mean, I feel like – I don't know what year it was that Sean Rondazzo won the, the pizza championship. Was that seventeen? I think it was sixteen, 16 or seventeen. 12. No, it was 12. Oh, was it? Twelve. Yeah. was that long
0: ago. Yeah. What
2: happens with the time? But I, I really feel like that put it on a lot of pizza makers map. Yeah. Yeah. Seeing it win when the gold or whatever. And then uh I think a lot of people went back and started working on it and it started popping up more and more neighborhoods after that. I mean yeah. you really did put it on the map with that.
0: I love it. It's my it's It's Right now, it's my favorite style of pizza. There's a place down the street from me that serves a Detroit-style pizza. It's called Volo Pizza, V-O-L-O. You can look them up online uh, if you guys are listening at home. Um, But they serve a really good Detroit-style pizza. I think Sean actually certified them with his recipes and showed them how to do it. And um, they serve a really good Detroit-style pizza. And I go there, like, probably way too much for (laughs) – for the amount of times that I go to the gym. I shouldn't go there that much, but it's great. I love it. It's my favorite style of pizza. If you ask me right now, what style of pizza would I want to eat right now? It's Detroit style pizza. Yeah. Well, I,
2: for me, I'm worn out on it right right now. I, I eat the bar style pizza quite a bit. That's fine; my go-to.
0: Yeah. But you guys are in it every day, you know, like, yeah, right. so I, it's, I'm not in it every day. It's just like, I enjoy it. I think it's like a unique, and it's unique to find a place that does it so well near me. And,
2: you know, I'm still craving some Tripoli Bakery. If you can make that happen, that would be great. <laughs> where is that in Lawrence? I don't yeah. know where we're in yeah. Boston. Yes. Yeah, it's out. So,
1: Bruce, uh, we had a we had a guy that uh, a good friend of ours actually who's went on to do his own pizza uh, concept, doing vegan pizza, and he's a super super talented, uh, passionate pizza maker here in Austin. Uh, we'll give him a little shout. I call little known as and big known Give him a little shout out there. Yeah. Uh, but. He's from Boston, and we, the three of us, went out to Boston years ago and did a Boston pizza tour. Wait,
0: actually. before the pod, before we did the podcast, or after? It was after. What the heck? You didn't call me. I didn't know you're in Boston. Oh. Yeah, I don't think we knew you were in Boston. All right, yeah. next time you come out here, I'll I will show you. We'll go on to our own pizza tour. Would love to. I'll tell you, Bruce. Since we're reminiscing about Boston pizza,
1: you can get me some Umberto anytime, man. That's um, I think that's
0: one of the best pizzas. In and Monopoly. Yes, Umberto's was, is good. The I think what happens with Boston, too, is like Boston's, although it has a lot of people, it's not a big city geographically, you know. So a lot of the best pizza places that Boston has to offer are on the outskirts, you know. So you can't necessarily you can get there with public transportation, but it's not like New York City where you could take the T or the subway or uh, a cab to get there. You have to have your own car, but it's within 15 minutes of the city like Volo Pizza technically isn't in Boston. It's in Swampscott but it's 15 minutes outside of Boston, but it's got one of yeah. the best Detroit style pizzas in our area. So that's kind of like why I say Boston, you know, maybe the city of Boston doesn't have great pizza. We'd have to drive that's around cool. a little bit.
2: Yeah. We, we enjoyed quite a bit of great pizza in Boston, at least for me. I don't, I don't know if you're a tie on it, but well, it, it was pretty great.
1: I liked it. I liked it. And I look forward to coming back. So. Did you go to Santarpio's
0: Yeah, of course. Absolutely. What'd you guys think of Sant'Arpio's? That's great. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was good. really, really good.
1: In many respects, Bruce, it reminds us of places that we grew up eating at in uh, in the Detroit area growing up. It's kind of that uh, first generation Italian American, yeah, nineteen forties, nineteen fifties. Really hasn't changed much. The recipe is probably pretty much the way it used to be. We love those kind of places.
0: Yeah, Centarbio's is definitely one of those places that gives you that vibe of the. 60s and 70s, still even now. Like you go in there now, yep. they write down the order on a piece of paper. They only take cash. Yeah. Like you have to, they add up the receipt on the paper itself. Yeah. Like you know, it's old school.
1: And you can get uh, steak bites or whatever those are things that they do in there. Yeah, the kebabs. Yeah yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty. Uh, if you come to Boston, it's you got to eat there. It's an experience all on its own. Mm-hmm. So obviously, 2020, even though we're in 2021 now, was a crazy year. How? did it, you guys get affected by this whole 2020 atmosphere?
2: Well, the same as everyone else, it, it wrecked us early on. Uh, I think we were, we were pretty quick to pivot before the city had closed the dining rooms. We we had closed our dining rooms just because we felt like it wasn't safe uh, yeah. from the national news perspective. So we kind of reverse engineered our, our model where we had figured, we were doing X amount of sales on carryout already. We're going to see a little bit of a boost 10 or 15%. Let's, and let's build the model off what, what those sales look like. So we did, we we had to lay off, I don't know, probably 35 40% of our staff with the new model that we had. And we just went to carry out only. And, um, we just recently reopened the, uh, patios, but we still are closed on the dine in, uh, never hit the switch for delivery. Uh, didn't really feel like it was a great representation of, you know, what we like to do getting it out of a box uh, and somebody else delivering it for us, not being able to ensure the quality of the delivery. And so we've just been doing carry out only. And it's been, I think we're around, I know we didn't want to get into numbers, but I think we're down about 25, 30% company wide in the five locations. So it's not terrible, but we're also been the safe, you know, one of the safest restaurants in town, I feel. Um, but you know, pizza's kind of fared well in overall. So we've been very fortunate.
0: Yeah. What's it like in your area? Like in Austin, what's it like in the city uh, itself?
2: We're doing the roller coaster. We, we went way up in July, got it under control a little bit. Yeah, I think we got down to what we call stage two, which allowed dining rooms to open back up. And then, uh, and then just recently, uh, with Thanksgiving and everything, we're back to stage five where dining rooms are supposed to be closed and, they really don't even want patio dining too much right now, but really? uh, it's all been just recommendations. The state actually is overriding the city and, la- and allowing everybody to kind of act like nothing's going on, but we we follow the local guidelines, not the state guidelines.
0: You got to make sure that you, like you feel safe, like regardless of what the city allows you to do. You have to make sure that you feel safe and your, your customers feel safe, mm-hmm. and it's just a weird yeah, time.
2: So many people make it a political thing, and, and we yeah. just try to stay out of that, yeah. and do what we just think is safe for everyone, and of what news we're given every day.
0: Yeah, it's, 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 it sucks that it's become a political issue instead of it being like a safety issue and a people thinking mm-hmm. with their heads issue and really doing what's best for people and their businesses. But, um, it is what it is, I guess, right? We got to figure out how we can adapt regardless of what we feel like it should be and what it actually is. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I'm not a doctor. All I can do is listen
2: to a doctor. You know.
0: Yeah. How come you guys never did the delivery thing? Because I feel like Detroit-style pizza holds out of any pizza. Doesn't. I feel like Detroit maybe holds up the best for delivery.
1: For, from I think the early discussions that we had about that, Bruce, were around what do we really want to be? Um, do we want to be a neighborhood gathering spot? And this is going back to 2014-15. Yeah. We want to be a neighborhood gathering spot, a place that people come together. Uh, that a very inclusive environment that, that takes care of everybody that becomes this, this neighborhood gathering spot where people see each other weekly? Or do we want to be, uh, you know, a thousand square foot uh, Papa John's or, uh, you know, Domino's, whatever these these little, uh, you know, to-go and delivery models are? And, and we chose, not. I'm not saying that, you know, obviously you, you can check all those boxes together if you want, but we chose to be, First and foremost, a neighborhood entity. We also felt, like Brandon just alluded to, that that taking and this is, you know, granted again, we're going back five or six years ago, in public opinion and our tolerance for getting carry out food of any kind, I think, has totally shifted. Yeah. So I we've always felt like that's not the best representation of what we do. The best representation of what we do is getting a fresh pizza on your table, like you'd see in the nineteen forties to nineteen fifties, right? Kind of go back to Sant'Arpios thing. Same idea. And but, man, you know, things have shifted so much. I mean, uh, you you mentioned earlier, Bruce, that, like, we spoke last five years ago, but it could have been 35 years ago with everything that's changed. I think that that's true for a lot of things in our industry, uh, people's tolerances for using things like DoorDash or, you know, any of these delivery uh, third-party delivery models uh, or companies and apps. People maybe were dipping their toes a little bit, in it, and now people are just full-blown into it. And it just it feels and Brandon always says this to his credit is like if people are willing to pay for a premium to sit on their couch and get something delivered to them, whatever it is, that's really on them. They, they know the risk that they're taking. The pizza is not going to be the same, but we know that we know the pizza is not going to be the same as consumers. Right. Yeah. We still do it. I do it. Yeah. So I mean, we've I think we've had to soften our approach now. We're not doing the delivery but we are more willing to do a third party partnership now than we were
0: a couple years ago. I, I think. Yeah. And I think like we know the difference right between yep. pizza that's fresh and pizza that's delivered. I'm a pizza snob now. I, I, I'll admit it. Like I, I very rarely get delivered pizza cause I'll go get it. If I go, even if it's like far away, like I would much rather go get it and either eat there or take it with me to go, than get it delivered to my house. Cause you know, I, I know the routine and I know how it goes. Um, but I think there's a younger generation of folks who grow up in that era, like my kids who are 19, 18, and 13, and, and they grew up in the digital age where they're used to the DoorDashes and those third-party apps, and they just think that's just how it is. Not, They don't remember a time when they, those things didn't exist, and you couldn't go on an app on your phone and get uh, McFlurry, a pizza, and something <laughs> else delivered to your house. Like, they don't remember those times like we do where you had to go to all those places, so – it is right. Maybe you, maybe you always have to look at it from your own perspective of like, what do you want to be as a business, and what do you want to do, and are you comfortable with the the outcome by using those third party sites? And there's a lot of people who don't use them, but there's also a lot of people who do. Yeah, it, it, it's strange. I'll, I'll
1: tell you this, Bruce. I, I we from day one have tried to be as inclusive with everything we do on the menu, right? right. We want to. We want to. We don't want to not serve gluten free. So we're going to serve gluten free pizza. We did this in 2012, yeah, Actually, and now it's widely accepted as being normal. You see it everywhere. We want to serve the best gluten free pizza that we can possibly make. We want to serve the best uh, vegan cheese that we can possibly get our hands on. Like we want to be a gathering spot and be as inclusive for all these different um, dietary needs as possible. But we haven't always had that same approach when it comes to the delivery models we've been a little more rigid and now i think i think and we might be a little late to this i'll admit i i you know i'm maybe i'm because i'm older and I'm, I'm a little more rigid around this i've been a little more um will not not as willing i should say to let that go uh i've been staunchly anti third party uh delivery app for years we had poor experiences with a number of them but Again, people's willingness and their tolerances have changed around this stuff, and i I feel like I feel the need to adapt to a certain degree.
0: Yeah, I don't know if it, you even need to, right? Like, I feel like like if I was opening a pizzeria and I operated for a long time, and we didn't, it was kind of like pre DoorDash and all those places. They were around, but they were just early getting started, and we had our own delivery drivers. And I don't know, like we would have been very much anti third party because we had our own delivery drivers. We could just market ourselves yeah. and go direct to the. To the consumer, but it was a pain in the ass to have delivery drives will be honest with you. It was like okay. the scheduling the, you know, managing the outflow of the orders, the drivers bickering like teenage girls about who's up next <laughs> and what delivery they're going to take next and who got the bigger yeah. tip last time, you know that that's annoying so. But there's also that part of the third party that they don't give you the data. They you know, DoorDash is going public and becoming a billion dollar company uh based yep. on business from restaurants that for the most part hate them. And they're, you know, you using and leveraging these restaurants to grow their business, which is kind of weird. Um, but yep. you have to decide like what you want to do. Like you could probably get by without using them ever if you're really anti third party. I don't think you have to do it.
2: Yeah. And I think the other thing too that we, we didn't touch on is just building memories, you know, Yeah. I think if your kids grew up in a pizza place that you tuck them to all the time, they're, they're going to carry on that memory of going, you know, this, that, that was really important to us. And I just don't know if you achieve that through a a cold interaction of just putting a phone, you know, that stuff to me is done in a panic or at least at my age, I'm sure the kids are a little more uh, doing it however they want. But for me, I, it's like, I'm too lazy to get out of bed but if we're going to get a steak, I'm going to go to the restaurant and have a memorable meal with a, a bottle of wine. Yeah. And I think that was more important to us to build memories, to be, yeah. to be a part of generations, so we're we're there forever instead of just a, you know, a ghost kitchen that might be a flash in the pan. Right. Kind of. Thing, you know.
0: Yeah, and I think if you can get away with not using them, I don't think that's a bad idea.
2: We're gonna try for as long as we can. But- yeah.
0: <laughs> like just we'll see. heavy marketing push. Yeah, I don't know. I think there's a there's a there's a guy managing delivery drivers is not easy, you know. Yeah, and it's not the yeah. delivery drivers. It's like the whole aspect of the whole process. It's not yeah. just the drivers yeah. themselves. It's like how do you get there on time and like managing customers' expectations. And like you said, a pizza that comes out of the oven that you eat in person is ten times better. I don't care where you're from. Is ten times better than any pizza that's put in a box and delivered somewhere thirty minutes later. It's just not the same. No
2: taking care of people and never go out of style. Yeah. And, and we, we hold the key to that when they come in.
0: Are you guys operating all of your locations still?
2: Yeah. Yeah. All five are open, just uh, patio and carry out only.
0: What about the trucks? Do you guys still do the, the food trucks or the pizza trucks? Yeah. We have
2: three restaurants, three brick and mortars, and two uh, food trucks that just have pizza only.
0: How has the food trucks been uh, affected by this?
2: they ride the wave of the bars. So the bars have been kind of opened and closed and opened and closed as, yeah. as the numbers have went up and down. So when the bars are open, we do really well, uh, especially with football and, and the bars open, but then as the numbers have went back up, the bars are on a curfew now. And, um, the numbers kind of go back down, but overall they're, the overhead's so low, you know, cause rent's minimal and, and expenses are minimal. Um, uh, They're just, they're they're, they're very profitable for
0: us. Yeah. More than the, right, especially now? Or
2: all the time? All all the time. Not more than now, no. The the trailers are probably the most affected overall percentage-wise by the dip in sales just because of the the bars being open and closed. Yeah.
0: How do you manage the pizzas on there? Do you make the pizzas on the truck or the trailer?
2: Yeah, we have one trailer that has a a 60-quart Hobart in it. And uh, and it makes the dough for both tra- the two trailers, and then uh, they just they make all the pizzas in there. Full setup in there, just a electric uh, baker's pride oven inside of it. So there's no gas on either trailer. They're full electric, and uh, it's worked out for the last what ten years, nine yeah. years.
0: I mean, you guys were you guys have been doing a great business before. I mean, even before like especially before the COVID thing hit you guys were coming up. I, I've seen a lot of you exposure on like LinkedIn or didn't you guys become, weren't you named by Pizza Today as like the top pizza in the country? Yeah. Yeah, last year. That was great. Huge. Did that, did that like, how did that come about? They tricked us. <laughs> <laughs> did they really? I
2: don't know, Bruce.
1: I'll, I'll say this. Uh, it's interesting it Was when we were on this uh, uh, Zoom call with Denise Greer from Pizza Today, yeah. you know, we talked for many times over the years. So it's not abnormal for us to speak with her. And uh, she, she didn't tell us, she didn't tip us off that that's what we were going to talk about or anything around this thing. And she's, she gave us the news and we, we didn't even know what to say. You know, if you know Brandon and I, we're not like real, uh, we're not real excitable. Like rah, rah people. We're just one foot in front of the other. Yeah. It's probably coming from Detroit. So like, I feel guilty to a degree. I think, I think she was hoping that we were going to, like, like be super excited. We were just in shock. Like, <laughs> I mean, we've been at this for 9, 10 years and depending on how you feel about the Detroit pizza scene and where we stand in that, I mean, we 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 are OG, but we could also be seen as old hat at this point too. We've been at it a long time. Yeah. By those standards. So to be recognized so many years later, it's 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 pretty amazing actually. Did that do I anything for business?
0: Did it do anything for your business like to be recognized like that? Like, Did you guys push that out there?
1: I think it's hard to say because it, it hit during COVID. It was in the summer, right, that that news came out. So
0: True.
2: I don't I don't know that it affected. I, I don't Look, know. What that do you think? think it was the number two news story for the local statesman yeah. behind uh, some famous actor flipping out at a pool here in town. I forget who it was. But <laughs> <laughs> well, we were number two in that, uh, locally. I mean, it was... It definitely got picked up locally and got us a lot of press locally. But uh, as far as a push on the sales, it's hard to track because of COVID stuff.
0: Yeah. It's hard to track anything now, I guess. Like if that happened in 2018, I'm sure it would have been a little bit different story. People – I'm sure the news would have come out to your restaurants and talked to you a little bit about that, at least the local news. But it's hard to say in the era, especially where it came out in the summer.
1: to to finish, you know, another thought around that – after you know being in this uh, the pizza scene in Austin for almost ten years now, to get that type of acclaim and recognition nationally, we are—I I mean, all of us probably as small business owners are always in this fight. Like, how how do you stay relevant? How do you stay on top of people's mind? That's the biggest. We Brandon and I always say that like that's the that's the biggest challenge is, is staying relevant. Yeah. And, and so to be at it for nine ten years and get it get it that acclaim, yeah. I mean, couldn't be happier with it. And, you know, I, and, and it's from our peers and that means a lot too. So, you know, yeah. it, it's really flattering.
0: Well, you know what? You guys are on the list for us too. 50 and most influential people in pizza in 2020. And I got a lot of shit for that list, by the way, but. we About but, us specifically? No, 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 not you guys. About, <laughs> to do that. It, it wasn't about anybody that was on the list. It was about people who weren't on the list.
2: Oh,
0: that's um, awesome. But it's hard to narrow it down to 50. Yeah, I was say I said to everybody, I said, first of all, it wasn't like a list that we just came up with. It was a list of people who mentioned from social media, in our emails, people who are guests on the podcast, people who listen to the podcast. We did kind of surveys and like who to them were the most influential people. And that's who we put on the list. And it was a 2020 list, not an all-time list in you guys were mentioned quite a bit. And I think it was the fact that you were early in the Detroit style pizza scene outside of Detroit. Like there was a lot of places in Detroit doing Detroit style pizza, but you guys were the first ones who kind of came on the scene outside of being in Detroit. That started with Detroit style pizza, who made a name for having Detroit style pizza as your concept, not just having a Detroit style pizza, but like that's what you serve the most of. So congratulations on that, by the way.
2: No, it's very much appreciated. We were, we were overly thrilled with it. Uh, of course, we think we're better pizza makers than Chris Bianco and Tony
0: Jiminiani. Yeah. <laughs> we'll
2: settle. We'll
0: settle. Yeah. Well, it wasn't necessary. It wasn't necessarily about. I don't think the list was necessarily about being a pizza maker. So you might be right. It was more no. about like who. <laughs> no. Who do people like look up to, right? And who do people sure. get influenced by on decision making, like whether that's marketing or what style of pizza people make? I think that had a lot to do with that list and. You know, you guys are heavily into social media and we see you all the time. And I think a lot of people follow you and look at what you do and say, all right, we need to do something that's similar to that.
2: Uh, it's so appreciated. Even being mentioned amongst the the other 49 people. I mean, that, that's just a great list. I know it, um, it sucks. There's the Daily Meal Top 101. That That's a pretty good list as well. The 101 Best Feeds in America. And we've been left off it the last two years. And it, it always sucks being loft, left off yeah. any list. But still, that top 50 list is, is
0: pretty awesome. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. Like you'd be, you'd be surprised how fast 50 fill up. Like you'd be like, oh, 50—that's mm-hmm. like a, such a big number. But when you're thinking about how many amazing people there are in the pizza community, that number goes pretty quick. know mm-hmm. yeah. we'll see what that happens was... next year. <laughs> you guys got to keep it up. Keep doing what you're doing, so you stay on the list. That's right. That's right. If that's you right. keep having us on our
2: on your show, maybe we'll be on.
0: Yeah, of course. Listen, I love talking to people. I love. There's no. Uh, this podcast is no set agenda. There's no like. Oh, that person was on. They can't be on again. I don't, I'd have the same person on if they're if they're fun and interesting every week. Doesn't matter to me. It's always about the show is about conversation and about community and what's happening in our industry. It's not necessarily about like talking to the most people. Right. You know. Um, speaking of that, so what are you guys working on for 2021? Hmm.
2: A lot. We got a lot in the works here. We, so we did a private equity partnership with uh, Savory Company out of U, uh, Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, that, that closed in November. And, uh, you know, they're going to give us the tools, essentially, that we need to to help grow the, the brand outside of Austin. So the goal is to do maybe two more in Austin uh, in 2021 and uh, three more in uh, Salt Lake City because that's where their their home office is. So we have five on the to do list for 2021. And that's then cool. Together we have a project in Detroit called uh, Frank's Pizza, which I'll let him talk about because he, he 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 closed the deal. But uh, we we got that. I'm sorry about that. No, that's fine. Uh, Frank's Pizza uh, was a 65 year old. I don't. My math is terrible. 67. Your old Italian restaurant pizza place that we grew up eating. Our parents grew up eating. Our grandparents grew up eating at. And uh, the family was just kind of set to retire. And we were able to keep their recipes alive and, and then hopefully add a, a Detroit style pizza offering as well with it. Wow.
0: That's in Detroit?
2: It's in uh, just south of Detroit, Tim, where we grew up. Uh, we grew up in Riverview, the restaurants in Windout which is the next city over.
0: And you're gonna keep it the same as it was?
2: Pretty much, yeah. We're gonna keep their pizza the same. They have a huge menu, so we're gonna cut the menu down as far as the Italian offerings and the uh, desserts, and and then add a bar as well. So just kind of bring it up to 2020. It's or 2021 now, Uh, but uh, it's just you know, it's just a mom and pop place that needs a little
0: fresh, freshen up uh, on it. I love it. So your new uh restaurants that you're opening, are they going to be franchises or you guys own them? We'll own them. Are you going to ever do a franchise model where you let someone else kind of buy into it?
2: It's not the plan. I don't ever say never, but right. it definitely hasn't been talked about and it's not really in the in the plan.
0: Any plans to open any up in Boston? I don't think so. Damn. <laughs> Anywhere close? Do You know. No. no. Damn. <laughs> I have to go to Texas. You're probably better off. The weather here sucks now anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's 70 and sunny here. Oh, that sucks. It's like 20 and cloudy here. <laughs> we have we have two seasons. We have summer and then gray. Yeah. That's it. Cold, oh, we, cold and gray. Listen, we grew up with that in Detroit. We know full well what that feels like. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Detroit weather is probably similar to what we have here. So January, February, March sucks everywhere else. It's kind of okay in the spring. Summer's great. Falls okay, and then it sucks again.
2: Yeah, we just have our winter is uh,
0: like April to November. <laughs> <laughs> Every day, and you can't go outside. <laughs> wow! So this fun that you guys have, how did you get hooked up with that? I'll let him
2: talk. I've been talking too much.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's funny. I uh, I think late last year. Uh, No, I'm sorry. Last year would be 2019. So mid, late 2019, um, we started having. Grant and I were having discussions about what the future of Via 313 could look like. What we were capable of doing with ourselves, what our where our um, experiences lie, what we are good at, what we are not good at. Right, which I think is always healthy to recognize what you're not good at. looking at what the capabilities of our team were, and it just became really apparent to us that if we wanted VF313 to be more than what it currently is, which is three brick and mortars, two trailers, we wanted to open up anything more. We were going to need experience, and we're going to need to bring out a part that has experience scaling to help fill us, uh, fill our needs and our gaps and, and our our, we- our weaknesses in. And so, um, Friend of a friend introduced us to um, a group uh, here in town in Austin, actually, that uh, that's what they do. I mean, they, they find uh, restaurants that are looking to scale and they they put, put together a full portfolio and a, like a deck. And they go out and shop and market it and they find they find different offers. They put the different offers in front of us. And we and sometimes we meet these people. And Brandon and I ultimately had the decision to make: uh, who do we want to work with? Is it is it strictly about money? You know, how much money they're willing to give you to partner with them? And you know, when you give up a certain percentage of ownership in the business, right? Is, is it really about the strategic fit, personalities, and uh, making sure that you know you still enjoy going to work every day with your partners? And we, we chose the latter on that. It, it, money's money's great. We're all we're all in business to make money. If not, you shouldn't be in business. Right. But we have to still enjoy going to work every day and we have to enjoy the people we work with or else I don't I don't see what the point is. And um, so we were really um, careful about who we chose to work with. And, you know, we we discussed uh, a few different folks, uh, a few different groups. But ultimately, the Savory Fund is who we settled on and uh, we couldn't be happier with that partnership. Just a great group of human beings
0: that we are really proud to work with every day and learn from.
1: I mean, we're probably learning from each other, but Brandon and I feel like we're learning every day from them.
0: Do they help you with like the scaling of it, like finding locations and the training of staff and like implementing the systems? Is that what they help you with?
1: Yeah, I think absolutely. Yes. On the, on the real estate finding locations, they have a, a an arm of their team that that's really all they focus on and they're really experienced. and really good at that. Um, and then, as far as everything else goes, I think it's just a matter of, yeah, the answer is yes. And it's just like it's a matter of what you need. Uh, there's some, like I said before, there's certain things that Brandon and I are confident that we're pretty good at. There's other things that we know we need help with, and they're there to fill in those needs for us. And I think that, you know, they've got a few partnerships with other groups uh, or other restaurants um, in the United States. And if you were to ask them what they provide to each one of their partnerships, I think it would vary depending on what the strengths and weaknesses of those groups are, you know? What did you guys so, think so you needed us, help I mean, with yeah, the most? Like, I what think,
0: was that one thing you guys thought you weren't good at?
1: Oh, uh, I don't know. What do you think, Brand? I think like, well, just scaling. I mean,
0: the first of all, just overall, just
1: scaling. It gets, it gets outside of our comfort zone. I, I I feel like if we were to try to scale the brand ourselves outside of our home market, yeah, we would be exposed quickly for not having, um, We've got policies and procedures i don't know we don't always do the best at, at holding people accountable around those things that's a work in progress we also have never really invested in the i i, I almost cringe when i say this word but it applies is people just like to use the word human capital that's, that's a weird thing to say right but we haven't overly and like we're not building a big bench to to look to the future to, to strategically put people in different spots we haven't in the past done that we've just very much been reactive instead of proactive, I think, is the best way to look at it. Yeah, It's it's served us well up to this point, but if we're going to move forward and, and open 30, 40 locations in the next five years, we have to
0: be proactive. Yeah, it's smart because you need those people who know and understand, like you said, looking at ahead for the positions that you they know you'll need in the future, but you don't know you need because you've never been there yet.
1: That's right. Yeah. Anything you'd like to add, Brandon,
2: to that?
0: Uh, it's only an hour and a half podcast. So I don't want to... <laughs>
2: <laughs> the list of things that we need to work on is very no. long. <laughs> oh God. I mean, yeah, I just, <laughs> I mean, it's, true. you know, a side note is the liability of it. You know, just anytime we open a restaurant, it, it's our name on the line Yeah. and we have to go get a bank loan we have to, uh, you know, secure it with our houses or whatever, uh, whatever collateral. So it's the liability of it as well that, you know, they're, they're helping fund the growth. They're helping, manage the money and uh, they just have a lot more buying power than we do. So it just, it's a multi-pronged thing that they help us with. that uh, definitely makes life a lot less stressful.
0: Yeah. I mean, are they restaurant? Is it restaurant specific fund? Yeah. Yeah. So they have a lot of experience with other restaurants. Like they've yeah. done this before with other restaurants.
2: Yeah. They have 40 or 50 people in a corporate office up in Salt Lake city that are pretty much at our disposal. Anytime we need, Uh, you know question answered or help with something that they usually uh can fly down here and help us out and we go up there and just kind of learn from them and they've just been extremely helpful it's been a great partnership so far
0: yeah it's crazy that's kind of why i started the podcast because we had two restaurants ourselves and like we were trying to grow from there and i'm like how the fuck do people get three four restaurants i don't know i can barely manage two there's like 80 90 employees and yeah we felt the same yeah it's crazy it's it's you never know what you really need to know until you actually get there, or you find somebody that's been through it already.
2: Yeah, I mean, there would be times with five restaurants, and I think we got up to I don't know, hundred and forty, hundred and fifty employees, or maybe more. And it's like you just feel almost hopeless, even <laughs> though things are great. You're like, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. It feel, I, and now I feel like things are limitless. I, I feel like we can take on anything with their help. So it's, yeah. it's just a totally different mindset right now with,
0: with their help. Yeah, it's great. And uh, the one thing that I've learned doing this podcast is everybody who's been on the podcast, including myself, like nobody knows what the hell they're doing. We're all trying no. to figure this shit out as we go. Yeah. You know, and it's just surrounding yourself with the right people who have the knowledge that you don't have or like you guys said, who do the things well that you don't do well uh, and surrounding yourself with those people and not being afraid to ask questions.
2: Now, we we've, we've been so fortunate from day one, whether it be. Tony Gimignani, or, or hooking up with Jeff Smokovich early on, or or even Big Dave helping us out early on to uh, really give us the confidence or point us in the right direction on things. And then and then I just feel like this is just another chapter with this partnership. It's just another chapter of learning for us.
0: I love it. What do you guys do? do you guys still do you guys do your own marketing?
2: We don't really do much marketing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I see you guys on social all the time.
2: Oh yeah, we do we do that. We do our own social media, but besides that, we don't have much of a of a marketing budget or a, you know, we focus more on the inside of what we can control in the four walls more so than what we can control outside the restaurant.
0: Yeah. Do you do you was... leverage social media at all? i see you on Instagram and Facebook, right?
2: We we consider that almost a luxury. We don't again, it's not like a big important part of our I think Hunter, our social media uh, consumable content that, that handles it, I think they kill it for us. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I think when he got it, we were at 4,000 followers and we're at 30,000 followers on Instagram. I mean, he definitely brought a value. It's just, yeah, again, it's hard to trace that value to sales. So, again, we've always thought, let's just take care of people and, and get them to talk about us and, and we'll build this organically and, Again, we look at social media almost as just a luxury that we're doing okay. We can afford to pay for to keep it in house, but right. not something we're super focused on.
0: Yeah, that's interesting because you guys do have a really good social media presence. So it's interesting to hear it from the fact they like, yeah, we do it, but like we don't really do it. I,
1: well, I think it's an interesting thing to think about, Bruce. Along those same lines, I I, mean, I, I know if pizzerias, they'll remain nameless here. I won't bring them up that have a tremendous social media uh, presence around the United States, not here in Austin, but like around the country. Yeah. Who I know for a fact aren't selling that many pizzas every day. So it's just a matter of your approach. You want to be seen a certain way.
0: Tell me who they are off air.
1: Do it and then come on the back end and show it. Cause we did it the other way around. Yeah. I'm not saying it's right. This is what we did.
0: I think there's two things there, right? Like I agree with you. There are a lot of phonies on social media for sure and either they don't sell as many pieces as they proclaim they do or they buy followers and, like, you look at their engagement and, yeah, they have 500 likes and a post, but it's all bullshit and it's all fake people who live in India and China and they don't have Mm -hmm. real profiles. That's another situation we have going on. So it's, like, hard to determine who is legitimately doing it right and who is doing it just by looks and vanity metrics. Um, But I think... There is an opportunity because there are some folks who do it well, who can maybe, especially now, right? Like I know a lot of people who have pivoted to building their brand on social media, but it allows them to sell other things that maybe they couldn't sell pizza to the people who live in their community now because of COVID. But they can sell T-shirts or Zoom pizza classes or other things that gave them a shot to do that because of the actual presence they built on social media, not fake.
2: Yeah, i I think there's a huge value there. Again, I think maybe because we're old and we're just like I don't know. <laughs> Age is it's, just it's a number. Hard. It's hard to trace that kind of stuff. Yeah, so. it is hard.
0: It is hard. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie with you. It is hard to like gauge metrics and, and you know it's easy to it's easy to like open for a Friday and be like, all right, we sold this many pizzas versus like, all right, we posted to Instagram or Facebook. Like, how how did that actually? do in sales it's hard to gain the metrics of that yeah we got followers and we got likes on this post but like did that translate into actual dollars it's very hard you to know, do that
2: we had a an employee uh who was going to school for um uh, like the user uh you what do they call it ux or yeah, yeah, user- so ex- yeah. Experience,
1: yeah
2: and she had taken a poll of i don't know five or ten people friends and family different age ranges and things that we take for granted on our own website like just online ordering or ordering a t-shirt was the feedback was quite negative. So again, like there's things that we, a whole nother world that we don't even realize because we're so worried about pizza and taking care of people. When she gave us that data of feedback from her friends and family of like my, well, my grandma couldn't order a gift card. She couldn't figure it out. Or my cousin couldn't figure out how to order a, you know, online order or something. Couldn't find this. Couldn't find the phone number. Like, yeah, you know what? Our website is hard to navigate if you don't, know what you're looking at yeah and with her help we've really made it streamlined and and simple for everyone of all ages whether you're on your phone or computer so it's just an example of something that whatever you're focused on you you definitely can we just haven't been focused on that kind of as much as we probably should be obviously
0: that's a fantastic example and i say that all the time because we often take anybody takes for granted what you know versus what somebody else knows like before we got on this podcast you guys were like hey what microphone did you use? And I'm like, dude, I use an AT2020. You know, what do you mean? (laughs) Like, to me, it's just common knowledge. But to you who aren't broadcasters, you're like, okay, I don't even know what that is. I've never heard of an (laughs) AT2020. So it's like, we always take for granted what we actually know. And we assume everybody else either knows how to do what we know how to do or have are familiar with what we do. And we don't say it enough like you do, like yeah. you, you didn't have yeah. that person go to your website and check for how the experience was and if people could easily navigate it before someone said that to you. So that's a great example there.
2: Yeah. And and none of that is traceable again. so right. you're, you study all the numbers in your, in the world, but you don't know how many sales we've lost over the years because of our chaotic website. <laughs> <laughs> just changed. Well, that website was awesome 10 years ago. Yeah eight years ago, but now things need to be simple on your phone and, and one click and you're there.
0: Yes, yeah. for sure. Because I mean, I don't think people's attention span is smaller than it used to be. I just think that it's, uh, people are more educated with technology now versus before, and they know what they want and they want it quick. It's not like our attention mm-hmm. span got any shorter. It's always, yeah, their always... tolerances have changed. Exactly. The, yeah. And
1: that, hey, you know, Brandon, you know this, because I, I just switched from uh, an Android base. Phone to iphone and i was bitching to him about to just delete a text message it's a three-step process on the iphone it should be a one-step process yes so that's just an example i want everything quick right so we're all like that
0: yeah 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 you know? well this was fun talking to you guys anything i did i did i miss anything that i should have talked to you about
2: oh man we could go for hours we we, we love chatting about pizza and, and
0: people so yeah We'll have to do another I mean, episode. We'll, we'll we'll do an updated episode.
1: I mean, how many times do we have to come on your podcast this year for us to move up from number 45 on the list? I think that's where we are. I'll put in a good so word bad. with you.
0: I'll put in a good word for you. <laughs> Next year we'll see what happens. You might have to you might have to either <laughs> ship me a pizza or open a open a restaurant near me and then I'll bump you up. <laughs> either one of those things will be cool. <laughs> <laughs> no but you guys you guys do a great job on social media i've yeah, i haven't obviously had your pizza yet but next time i'm in texas i'm gonna hopefully be able to stop by if we can ever travel again i know i haven't traveled in a long time but if we can ever travel again if that's ever a thing i'm definitely gonna stop in yeah we would love to have you man
1: yeah where can we people... do yeah don't do to us what we did to you don't come into
0: town and you're not <laughs> you not I, I i definitely won't if i come into town i'll definitely I'll, I'll let you guys know that i'm yes. there and same thing if you ever come back to Boston. Let me know. We'll go to some pizza spots. We'll do we'll we'll do the tour. We'll do like a Detroit style, a New York style, a bar pizza, yeah. and then a shitty New England pizza. We'll have a, we'll have them all. Hey,
1: we Gina. we got to come back up there because Brandon, you've never been to a game at uh, Fenway, right?
0: No, no. See, so we got to do that. Where's I've your, been to Fenway. What yeah. park is your like local ballpark? Arlington.
2: No, are you sure?
0: Houston's, I mean, I
1: Houston's probably closer. Yeah, Houston's a nice stadium. Yeah. Yeah. Fenway. Yeah, has a new stadium. Yeah. So yeah. Fenway's
0: know. old. How tall are you guys? I'm completely. Ad-
1: yeah. F- I'm completely average. I'm five foot nine. Yeah. So you.
0: Average. Yeah. So like, <laughs> yeah, if you're if you're like above five nine five ten, it's a little squishy in those seats at Fenway. I have to say. That's the way
1: Tiger Stadium was back in Detroit. What was like it?
0: That. Yeah. It's definitely an experience, though, at Family Park because you're super close to the field. And, like, it's it looks it, – it's way smaller in person than it looks on TV. Yeah, I see, as soon
2: as so, – what's that, Brian? Houston's like that as well. Houston's super tight in there. Yeah. As,
1: as soon as we can travel, you know, and, and we can attend a baseball game, that's, that's one of the things that we like to do that we're really missing right now is going to sporting events.
0: Yeah, for sure, uh, man.
1: Finway is way up on our list to come back up there and, and visit, so.
0: Are you guys heading to the Pizza Expo in June if they, if it happens?
2: If it happens, uh, if it's safe, but I don't, it doesn't seem like we're rolling out vaccinations fast enough right now.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I, w- I was just talking to Scott before this interview and I said, Scott, are you going to the Pizza Expo? It happens. He's like, yes, if it happens. I'm like, what do you think the percentages of it happened? He said zero. Yeah, so
1: Well, yeah.
0: So I'm hoping it does. If it does happen, I do interviews. I hang out at the Forza Forney booth. You guys have to come by and do an interview live. Yes. Fun. Hang out with me for a half yeah. hour at the Forza Forney booth. We'll we'll meet up and uh, hang out from, and talk pizza there. That'd be great. Where yeah. can people go check you out on uh, either whatever social platform you prefer or your website or in person? Well,
1: well the the beautifully streamlined website that Brando's referring to, via313.com.
0: Excellent. And via three one three on Instagram too, I believe, right? Yep. Yeah. Facebook. Facebook. Yeah.
2: Facebook as well. At via three one three, Facebook or however the, uh, whatever the at, at via three one three is that how it works? I don't know. Because <laughs> we had to hire this out, Bruce. We don't know how to do this shit works.
0: I, I'm assuming you guys aren't on TikTok <laughs> or anything like that. Then.
2: No, I I don't know anything about TikTok. I, uh, is, do businesses go on TikTok?
0: I think now, yeah, for sure. You know, it's definitely something that people go on now more than they did a while ago. But it's getting there. It's like what uh it's like place that like girls go on and like dance for fifteen seconds or something. Like That's that. what I thought they did. They did yeah. do that. They still do that. But it's, it, there's more. It's it's trending more of an older demographic now.
2: Uh, they, now we're getting now my MySpace is outdated already. Now it's dads <laughs> dancing to music. <laughs>
0: All right, fellas, don't hang up yet, but thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. It was awesome talking to you once again and catching up. We'll have to do it again soon. Yeah, thank you, man. Thank you, Bruce. What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. Thank you so much to Brandon and Zane for joining me on the show. Like I mentioned in the beginning of this episode, if you want to check out our mastermind group, that's smartpizzamarketing.com forward slash mastermind. We're going to start bringing in some guests to do some private live interviews inside of the mastermind group. And we also have monthly calls and we also do other tutorials and challenges inside our mastermind group only that we don't publicly talk about. Well, we talk about them publicly but you can't get into it publicly unless you're inside of the group. So smartpizzamarketing.com forward slash mastermind. If you wanna reach out to me, if you have a guest, a topic, or maybe you want to be a guest on the podcast, you can email me bruce at smartpizzamarketing.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at the Bruce Irving or at Marketing on Instagram and say hello, shoot me a direct message. Let me know what you think of the podcast. If you have any suggestions or feedback, I always love hearing from you guys who listen to the podcast every single week. Thank you so much and we'll see you next time.